We are back. Regularly scheduled programming. Guests in Tuscaloosa, the whole nine yards. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Another episode here in season four. Gray Robertson alongside my partner, Tom Canterbury. Tom, what a wacky and wild couple weeks it has been. It has been a long, strange journey. There's live softball going on right now as we're watching. There's lightning going on outside the condo. All sorts of stuff happening, but we are bringing you your favorite podcast right now. I hope it is your favorite yes. because we are going through the ringer <laughs> to bring it to you, including... You're welcome, by the way. Yes, a night like last year where we will be watching and reacting live to a game happening. Right now, Tom, Oklahoma and Kentucky battling in Lexington, a Kentucky team we just saw, an OU team that we have heard about but really haven't seen because they've been on flow softball and sorry, not sorry, not getting an account there. And now we get to see how it looks when they face off. Already, Jocelyn Allo has taken advantage of Miranda Stoddard throwing a pitch just right down the middle. Just on a tee for her. <laughs> Hammered it. Literally the greatest home run hitter of all time and said, here, right down the middle. She did what she's supposed to do with it. So good for her. Yes. So Oklahoma leads at one nothing. We'll be watching the game as it progresses all night long. Tom, let's go through our trip around the bases. No plays, no wonky calls. It's right. just the regular format. Okay. We will start at the plate and talk about everything that we've missed since our last podcast. A little bit of LSU, a little bit of Florida State and Southern Miss, a lot of the Kentucky series. And then we'll preview UAB this week and the South Carolina series coming up this weekend. Then we will advance to first, Tom, and take a look at SEC play. The first two weeks have been crazy. Week two, we had more games and more absurdity. In some ways, it's really fun because it's been a lot different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, but other ways, it's like, Everyone is now an enigma in this league, so it's a lot of fun. I really don't know what anyone is going no, to do no. ever. Finally, we've got an interview. We will steal second with somebody who did that many times in her career. I'll make that joke when she comes on. Kayla Bro, our friend from ESPN. Why are we having her on this week? Well, we had her on last time. We were watching Oklahoma versus an SEC team in a midweek. Yeah, worked out well for Georgia. Let's see what it can do for Kentucky. Then we will round third and play on second thought. How do we feel right now at the midway point, basically, which is insane, Right. about our landmine and gold mines? We'll look at the RPI and other games happening outside the SEC or outside of conference play this weekend, including, of course, the one tonight. Finally, we will head home. SEC picks. This will shock you. Tom has pulled ahead. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Kayla Kowalik just reached in the first, so that's exciting. Mm. It's going to be like this all night. We've also got off the wall. Ah. Uh. Well, Alabama lost four games since we last talked, so there's going to be some some off-the-walling going on. Plus, a little off-the-wall rules discussion. Okay. We're going to talk – We're going. To, that's what we're going to talk safety base. Ah, so, okay. yes, be prepared for that. That's all coming up here in this episode as Kayla Kowalik is on base. By the way, hmm. since I was doing TV, I was more neutral this week. I got a chance to go talk to Kayla Kowalik. Easily one of the coolest non-Alabama players I've ever talked with. Oh, yeah. She's a lot of fun. I know that she has some fun interactions on Twitter with a lot of people. Emily Pizek has talked to, talked to her before and uh, calls her, I think, her favorite non-Alabama player. So uh, she's a good sport about stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Let's start off at the plate and discuss all things Alabama. Since our last recorded episode, two of three losses at LSU, a win in the midweek over Southern Miss, a – pretty emotional and yet not all that consequential in the grand scheme lost to Florida state. It, it stunk at the time, but in the big picture, will it actually hurt Alabama? Probably not. And then a win over number 11, Kentucky, number eight in one poll, uh, two out of three this past weekend. So Tom, a lot of ways that we can go about this. I've got some positives and some negatives. 
we'll go through the positives first because that's okay. how we do it on this podcast. Sure. So positives in that strand, some really great performances from Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle. I think of game three against LSU. Honestly, the majority of the Florida State game, Lexi was great. And the defense, unfortunately, let her down. And then games one and two against Kentucky, that was a, 1A, 1B perfection for Fouts and Kilfoyle. Yeah, absolutely. That's in the first two games against Kentucky, especially, that is the way that it's designed to go. If you're Lexi Kilfoyle, Montana Fouts, that's what you want to see if you're Patrick Murphy putting them out there. Two totally different pitchers uh, that can dominate in different ways. We saw Lexi Kilfoyle in game two against Kentucky scatter seven hits. Uh, and in game one, Montana Fouts just overpowering people for the most part. So that's how it's supposed to go. And then, like you said, I thought Lexi pitched well enough to win the game against Florida State. Uh, the defense what was the issue there. The first day, the first two games against LSU on the Saturday, we talked about it in the Twitter space, space, obviously, before, but just a bad day. Um, and Alabama righted the wrong on Sunday. Dallas Goodnight is A, alive, and B, back on track. So we went into the weekend, actually the Florida State game, with the Dallas Goodnight is two for 21 against ranked teams, and she was two for three against the Knowles. And had a pretty good series against Kentucky as well, getting on uh, with a batting average over 400. So Dallas Goodnight appears to be back rolling. And most importantly, after the collision at first, she's apparently fine. Uh, I haven't heard any updates. I don't think there are any updates to be given. I'm just glad that she's alive and well and can keep playing the rest of this year. Yeah, it was definitely a very scary uh, collision at first base, but she is okay there. And then also won the uh, NCAA a social media pick of the week as well with that diving catch. Yes. So that was awesome to see too. Uh, I thought it was really important that she was able to kind of get back on track against a team, the caliber of Florida state, because, you know, it's one thing, you know, if she goes four for four against, you know, no disrespect, but nickel state or somebody like that, but for it to be against Florida state, get back on track. And then she was pretty much back to her old self in the Kentucky series. And it was, I think part of it too, was, you know, kind of hitting in the nine hole, I think probably took a little bit of pressure off her and she fits there. The, as the lineup rolls, uh, nine is a fine place for her to be, and, and it worked out. Another positive, Ashley Prangy is popping at the plate, y'all. Against Kentucky, hit 571, had a hit against Florida State, was two for three against Southern Miss. She's hitting 500 in the last five games, which is really important. I'd love to see a little more production from Jenna Johnson, but when Jenna's not getting a hit, typically Prangy is doing so right behind her. Yeah, and, and the fact that all hits in the Kentucky series by Prangy were extra base hits, too, uh, I think was big because it, it kind of gave Alabama that pop throughout the lineup that, you know, as of right now, you know, people like Kaylee Tao are, are kind of struggling in, in that department. So, you know, somebody like Prangy to, to give you that type of production was really important. So are there any other positives I missed, Tom, that you want to touch on? I, I thought the play overall of Jenna Lord getting her, you know, her first uh, – taste of the starting role at second base I'd like to see her get more than one hit but I thought overall you know she played a really good second base and kind of gave a little spark to the team so I was really impressed with Jenna as a freshman okay negatives that we do need to talk about some odd clunkers pitching wise like stuff that you usually see once a year that's happened now twice in two weeks with Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle a little bit. A little bit of it, I think, was pitch count, honestly, against Kentucky in game three because she threw a lot of pitches the night before. She's a spinny pitcher. Typically, you like to see those pitch counts down a little bit. But overall, I mean, again, it hasn't changed my opinion of the two, but it is a little bit of a surprising situation that is developing. I won't call it a trend yet, 
But if we see it after this weekend, it might be nearing that mark. Yeah. One thing you have to remember too with Kilfoyle is that she's still coming off of the foot injury too. So that kind of goes along with the pitch count, what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit surprising. But also when you look at it, the two games from Fouts that you would call bad games, the first game against LSU and the third game against Kentucky, they were two totally different. You know, the LSU game, uh, it was walks that were the issue. Kentucky, she just, she was leaping it over the plate and, and Kentucky batters were um, doing what a good offense does against that. So I think part of the overall point of this is, though, I think it, it, one of the things Alabama needs to work on offensively is being able to respond better if Montana is not dominating. Yeah. It's going to happen, you know, more times than not, she is going to dominate, but she's human. So she's going to have off nights. Does it should not, you know, bring the whole team down like it seemed it did, like it seemed like it did on Sunday. That's that, that is one thing you're going to have to look at if you're Alabama trying to improve on that. Cause, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to go out there and score seven, eight runs because, you know, it, that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, we talked about it with Kentucky. Yes, Alabama had seen Kentucky all those times, but Kentucky had also seen Alabama all those times. Right. So, you know, I, I think at some point they're number eight for a reason and, and they were able to take advantage of that on Sunday. But Alabama just has, has to do a better job if the pitching is not totally dominant. The other situation, the defensive mishaps, there weren't a ton, but when they happened, they were at critical situations. And the way I kind of put it, in a perspective, I think it was on the space. Maybe it was in our private conversation. The defense is great when everything is going according to plan. It seems that the errors pop up when things are off schedule. We saw a couple plays from Prangy against Florida State. We saw the one outfield overthrow against Kentucky. We just saw some wonky plays where Alabama had bad things become worse because of defensive miscues when the play got crazy. Yeah. So it, it's staying calm to me when things are off schedule that – is something Alabama needs to, I don't even know if you can work on it, but something that you just have to do better in moments like that. Right. I think that is a result of there being so many new people playing, you know, whether it's being true freshmen or transfers coming in and, and everybody playing together for the first time in a full season. So I think that's going to come along. Uh, you're seeing a little bit of the growing pains of it right now, but don't forget, like you said, for the most part, it's been really good. It's just been, you know, two or three plays, and they have been, they've kind of snowballed them on themselves. So, yeah, you just, you just got to find a way to, uh, to limit that from happening. So I'm going to skip one because we'll talk about it later when we do lineups. Kaylee Tao still struggling a little bit. It was good to see her get the three-run homer against Florida State, and I thought that might propel her into a big weekend against Kentucky, but just one for nine against the Wildcats. She's your leader. You can't really just take her out. So at some point, you just have to say, Tao, you just have to hit better. Bottom yeah. line. Yeah. There's a little bit of, you got to, you know, it's your three-time All-American kind of get yourself out of the slump. Uh, as long as for the most part, it's not costing the team too much. Right. Um, at, I think if it gets to a point, at some point there is a, a situation where, you know, she does step out of the lineup for, for a game or two, but right now I think you're still trying to work your way through it and you're coming up on four games where you have a really good chance to do so. Yeah. So we can talk more about it after this week if, if the uh, trajectory doesn't start going up. Yeah, the good news, the hits have been pretty critical. The one hit against Kentucky was an RBI. The the hit against Florida State was that three-run homer in the first. You know, I mean, she's producing, just not producing as much as you'd like to see. Right. Okay, now, of course, we have to ask about it because we saw some people panicking. This isn't part of off the wall, but 
how bad is it after a four and four stretch since the 20 and 0 start? It's really not that bad. Even in the past years where Alabama's made it to the World Series, we've seen stretches like this. Usually they come later. I actually am kind of okay with it coming a little earlier than normal. You know, last year it was kind of in the middle of conference play. In 19, it was kind of right at the end where you lost the Kentucky series and you had some questions. You can see the issues right now and you can work on them and and really build going into the rest of SEC play. Right. And then also look at who Alabama has played over these last eight games. There's been, you know, a trip to LSU, one of the toughest places in, in the conference to play. There was the number two team in the nation coming here and then a Kentucky team that Alabama will have seen in the last, you know, less than a season, 10 times. It's times. stupid. Yeah, it's an inordinate amount of times that Alabama has played Kentucky. So it was kind of like playing the same person over and over and over again. And eventually they're going to find a way, especially a team like Kentucky, because that's just what they do anyway. They're a very frustrating team to play to begin with. Plus, they knew everything Alabama was going to do because they'd seen them so many times. I think you can take a look at it, tip your cap to the opponent on some of the some of the issues. The other ones, they are fixable, and then you kind of move forward. And again, like I said with Tao, you know, you have a really good week coming up to fix all those things and, and get everything uh, on the right track. Yeah, we'll talk more about the state of the SEC race. I think it's going to be absurd this year. You might have a champion with seven losses just because of the way this conference is. Right. But let's let's real quick talk about the Kentucky Wildcats because we really won't do that when we're advancing to first. This is a team that, you know, we've asked, who's pitching? Who is – I asked it all three games. Who is pitching? Yes. Who? And I still don't really think they know, but I think now they've figured out that that's going to play to their advantage. Yeah. You can just throw people in there, mix and match what the vibe is, what the situation calls for, and and yeah. roll with that. I think what Kentucky did can work in SEC play. To a championship, I'm not sure, but to a top 16 seed, heck yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible because you look at it, the strategy, there was a strategy in a matchup with Alabama. It was, you know, other than, you know, at the Stoddard game where she went the complete game, the other two games, it was pitch the people that Alabama hasn't seen yet. That was that was the goal. and And – for the most part, you know, it worked. Uh, you know, yeah. Alabama did enough to win those two games, but surprised we didn't see Spangler the entire weekend. You know, it was putting out freshmen and, and putting out juniors that hadn't pitched against Alabama before. That is another thing in addition to, you know, Alabama needs to respond better if Montana's not having a good day. Alabama still, you know, they did it, they did it better in game one against Kentucky, but they need to be able to, uh, adjust to new pitchers quicker still. Yeah, I don't think Kentucky's going to get swept at all this year. No, Old prediction. I, yeah. I think with that offense, it's going to be so hard for one individual pitcher to beat them twice. The only scenario I could see where they get swept is if a team has a plethora of pitchers. Like, I see Kentucky as the toughest sweep in the league out of anybody, and that partially includes Alabama. It's just going to be difficult to get a run against a, a squad like that. They're annoying and not and I don't mean that negatively they are they're hard to prepare for because there's so many different things you have to prepare for offensively they're good so you know even if even if you've kind of figured out whatever pitching they're going to do you're still going to have to outscore them yeah uh, so they're yeah I agree and that's one of the reasons why I picked them so high oh you want to throw that in it's just going to put that in there anyway <laughs> coming up this week a game at UAB in my hometown of Birmingham mm. not making it sound like I'm some person from a far off land it's an hour up the road <laughs> from the ham yes a weekend series at south carolina which is interesting carolina performed better in the auburn series than i expected they hung tough in two out of the three games and won one of them it's still a, a situation where i think if you're alabama 
you are better than South Carolina. But if you take the foot off the gas at all, the Gamecocks can find a way to steal one from you. Yeah, especially playing in Columbia. Uh, that's what happened in Alabama last time they went to South Carolina. And it's sold out. So it's right. going to be a rocking house. It is going to be rocking. Uh, you know, and then uh, Dixie Rayleigh did it to us uh, last time we were there. People are going to you know, play up to Alabama. They're going to give them their best shot. And I think South Carolina kind of found an ace maybe in, in, the, in the circle with Bettenball. So I think if you're Alabama, you got to be ready for, to see a, a heavy dose of her. You have to go out and execute. Nobody in this conference, even if it's South Carolina, who we think may end up being the worst team overall, you're not going to be able to just to roll out the helmets and beat anybody, especially on the road. Lineup changes. Do we need to have a discussion about DP? If Abby Dorr had gone over on the weekend, I would say no, but because she had a pretty solid batting average, she uh, had, you know, sorry, three yeah, of eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did Oklahoma hit another home they run? Did, yeah, two nothing now. Okay, great. After Kentucky had the bases loaded and didn't score in the first. So, yeah. <sighs> Thanks, Tom. Uh There's your update. (laughs) I I don't really think it's time to necessarily do anything crazy. However, if you do want to shake it up a little bit, you can do something with the Bloodworth, Lord, Prangy, two spots in the infield DP position if you want to. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. And it'll be interesting to see if there is any changes like that. A game at UAB would be a great time to try something if that is, is in the offing. You know, Bloodworth can play third. Lord can play third, both can play second. Obviously, Prangy can pretty much play anywhere in the infield too, or you can DP one of those. Would still like to see uh, a chance for Barnhart to get in the in the lineup to, uh, yeah. you know, once she gets her first hit. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to roll. You know how she's going to be. Right. So the, there's all the potential in the world there. But like you said, you know, Dora was struggling, but, you know, she really started hitting the ball pretty well in the Kentucky series. So it's, it's still kind of up in the air. That there's some changes you could make. But at the same time, for the most part, the lineup you've been putting out there has been working. Right. So you don't want to change too much, especially as, as well as Prangy's hitting the ball right now. I mean, in two of your conference losses, you have scored six runs and four runs, which right. typically would be enough. Usually is enough. Yeah, you could, yeah. you know, you, the one game against LSU when you only scored the one run, all right, you just chalk that one up to the loss. But other than that, offensively, you've probably done well enough to win all your conference games except for that one. Yeah. Pitching rotation. Torrance got the start last time against UAB. I would think we're probably going to see Salter on Wednesday with a Torrance mix match, however you want to roll it. And then Fouts kill foil Fouts on the weekend at South Carolina. You've got the advantage there because unlike most of the teams in the SEC, South Carolina has never faced Fouts and Kilfoyle. Remember folks, Fouts was injured and missed the series in Columbia back in 2019. Yeah, so 2019 it was Cornell Gettins, Cornell, right? I believe, yes, Cornell got the start in game three and then Goodman came on in relief and pitched well, but unfortunately the offense wasn't there that day. Right. So, yeah, it's amazing to think, even though it was 2019, that uh, they haven't seen either Kilfoyle or Fouts, haven't played them in the SEC tournament or anything. So Alabama does have the advantage. Uh, I, I think you you go out there and you give Salter and Torrance some innings to kind of get their confidence and get, get sharp against UAB. If everything goes well, you don't see Montana Fouts or uh, likes to kill foil on that one. I, I think you're set up pretty well for the, the weekend in Columbia. Bottom line, the most important thing this weekend, the cinnamon roll bar. <laughs> of course. Or right. whatever it is. I got to go back and listen to the episode with Bev Smith, but there's, there's I have never roof, been more excited. There's a rooftop bar in here somewhere that we got to get to. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things going on in Columbia. What awesome. a time to be alive. What, what a time indeed. Okay, Tom, that's us at the plate. We have put it in play. Who are we? Uh, well, Dallas, good night. Sure. As president of the fan club, I feel as though I need to represent. See... 
you're Kentucky, you've got to play clean softball. Uh, Kentucky committed an error. Mm. It's going to be like that all night, folks. When we come back, <laughs> we'll advance to first and discuss everybody else in the SEC. Arkansas gets two of three and Knoxville, Florida loses again. But you know, what does all of it mean? We'll discuss when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. Hey! podcast it is time to advance to first gray robertson and tom canterbury this is a, another peek behind the curtain because we schedule these guests and then tom arrives and so we kind of record the segments out of order this isn't a surprise so as we're talking to bro you're going to hear oklahoma hit some major home runs right now as we're watching it's seven nothing sooners over the wildcats so before we dive into the sec week in review tom let's talk about this game I think Rachel Lawson has made a critical error and she is a person that I really like and a coach that I really respect. And think she's very good at her craft. Miranda Stoddard should not have seen the Oklahoma order twice. If you're Kentucky, your biggest asset is the amount of arms that you have in the circle. And right now in the fourth inning, only two people have pitched for Kentucky. I think they missed the window with how the game is turning to do this, but they should have been really shifting people in and out all night long. There were four pitchers in the initial lineup for the Wildcats tonight. Hmm. And here comes pitcher number three coming in, but it's already, it's seven, nothing. The runners on first and second one out in the fourth. And that, that was the one advantage you had if you're Kentucky is that you could throw so many different people at this Oklahoma lineup. And uh, this was for some reason hesitant to do it until you were already down six, nothing. And then obviously, you know, the game could have been a lot different if you were able to convert with the bases loaded in the bottom of the first that and then pitching to Jordan Al- Jocelyn Allen the first time through. I don't know why you do that either. Yeah, don't leave it over the heart. No. We'll talk to bro about that later. Yes. All right, it's time to advance to first and discuss all things SEC. Tom, we will start in Knoxville. Arkansas takes two of three. You got that one right. I got one, yes. Still no Ashley Rogers. So Aaron Edmondson doing a lot of the work in the circle. We saw her pitch well at times, but honestly, and I think she's talented. I don't see her at her best being better than Ashley Rogers at her best. Tennessee kind of feels like they're back where they started a little bit. And on the flip side, Arkansas had to use Mary half in all three games. So I'm not sure they figured out that pitching situation either. Yeah. It's, it may be a situation, you know, like we were talking about uh, last podcast where, you know, Mary half still getting used to being the one and only ace, the main ace of, of a staff without all American autumn storms being, you know, the one, two punch there. So that's still being the case uh, to go on the road and to win a series. Uh, I don't think you have a lot to complain about if you're Arkansas, they're also starting to hit yes. uh, a lot better than they were early on. So uh, they're being more of what their potential is offensively. So that's going to help uh, half as well. Yeah. Arkansas got out hit in game two, 10 to six, but the hogs won nine, six, you know, spoiler alert. Sometimes the amount of hits don't actually determine if mm. you win or not. Right. But I digress. Tennessee it's, it's did why, have. It's, it's why hits are not the first column. It's right. runs. Yes. Tennessee did have four errors in the two losses and zero in the win. So typically that's how it goes, mm-hmm. but maybe something the Lady Balls need to clean up. Florida, they get the series in College Station, but they've kind of got a game two problem. So this was something Amanda Scarborough pointed out to me, and I did the math. In game twos against Mississippi State and AM, who we would consider bottom half of the league. Mm-hmm. I think AM is has the potential to be good, but probably not top half. In game twos, Florida is hitting 167 as a team with three walks and 24 strikeouts. That was against Willis for Mississippi State and Herzog for Texas AM. Mackenzie Herzog was electric, a three-hit shutout with 15 Ks oh. in game two. 
I don't know whether that's strategy-based because you did have the perceived number ones pitching both game twos for those squads. But bottom line, Florida has struggled in the middle game of those three-game series now twice. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I had not noticed that, but that's true. And it's amazing that you look at it. Florida at four and two, you still you have more questions probably about them than Alabama at three and three Yeah, uh, because of the opponent. This was one where if you had put the over-under – at one and a half losses maybe, or, or even a half a loss for Florida for these first two series, a lot of people still would have taken the under on it. They, they were two very sweepable series for Florida. The fact that they didn't get swept or they didn't get the sweeps, I think kind of brings everybody back into the run, to the race for the conference uh, early on. It's just interesting, Florida. They had to make a pretty regular against AM actually come back in game one Aggies are used to heartbreak against the Gators game three they dominated and, and got the run rule victory I'm not sure Emily Kennedy is quite ready yet to face a really good SEC offense twice but I, I think that Florida isn't quite where we thought they were yet but they certainly can still get there yeah they can that's that's true I mean Florida could have been two and four as easy as they're four and two right Mississippi State had an opportunity to win their last game that game three as well uh, you can take that for Florida that, you know, we didn't play our best and we were able to win both those series and we can only get better. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think you put too much on it, but like I said, it just keeps everybody kind of in the race right now for Alabama to kind of figure things out. Uh, they're not running and hiding like they could have, could have considering their schedule. Yeah. And Herzog, your SEC pitcher of the week, Haley Lee could not be kept off base, but more on that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Mississippi state. There was a sweep. And it was Mississippi State overall miss. And I would like to say this was useless to me. I, I predicted the series winner right, but for the second weekend in a row, Tom, mm. I got the games wrong. I had Mississippi State winning two out of three. State gets the sweep. I feel like this kind of says more about Ole Miss, actually, but I'm proud of the Bulldogs for doing that. It's a complete flip of what we saw last year when they started 0-6. Now they're 4-2 and in the conference through two weekends. And Mississippi State is playing like a confident team. And Kinley Hawk right now is pitching amazing. And we'll talk more about her later on in this segment as well. It's amazing to think about. You know, we talked about it you know, last time that there were all these non-conference Bulldog classics and these other tournaments that they were bringing in people that they should have been able to sweep. Weren't able to get those but was able to get a conference sweep over their main rival. So it's just, just amazing to see what the Bulldogs were able to do this weekend. Another home run? Nope, just a fly mm, out. Thank mm, goodness. Yeah, right. I also want to shout out our friend Bree Roper from Ole Miss. There was a really cool moment in game one, a game the Bulldogs won nine to eight. But Bree Roper for the Rebels hit a three-run homer, her first of the season, and Bree has changed her number to number five in honor of her brother, Robbie, who passed away in the off season. That was a big story at high school quarterback being courted by a lot of the big schools and Bree, you could tell how emotional it was for her as she was rounding the bases and, uh, you know, pointing to the sky. It was a really great moment. So I wanted to shout out Bree because I'm sure Robbie really enjoyed that as did the entire Roper family. Let's move on to LSU, Texas. How, what the first two games, <laughs> Texas wins three, nothing and four, nothing. Game three, we're like, ah, oh, LSU's off to a big lead, you know, leading 7 nothing. I think, earlier. They're up yeah. 10-4 going into the bottom of the six. Everything's fine. They've got Kilponen pitching, Sinceri's pitching. You know, they're throwing all hands on deck. They're scoring. LSU's going to win that game, right? Yeah, this is one where you you close the tab. Yep. You're not even, not even uh, following it anymore, and then all of a sudden. Texas had fought back. It was 10-9. to They go to the bottom of the seventh. Two quick outs, and then an error. 
And then a couple more things happen, and then Mackenzie Parker has a two RBI double, I believe is how it was scored, to walk it off. Longhorns win 11-10. LSU following a huge, huge opening weekend at home in conference play, beating Alabama twice, absolutely lays an egg. And while, yes, it does not hurt you in the conference standings, and I think that has to be the message for Beth Tarina, it's got to hurt the confidence that you couldn't parlay last weekend into something good this past weekend. Yeah, because you look at Alabama. Yeah, Alabama did lose to Florida State, but they lost one game. LSU goes to Austin and loses three and is only competitive in one of them. You know, they get shut out in the other two. So just just a perplexing weekend for LSU. And you just got to wonder what is going on there because it seems as though maybe Texas is figuring some things out. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, things kind of falling apart for LSU. And, and I don't know if they've ever really had it all together outside of the one day against Alabama. Just luckily for them, they played two games on that one day. So outside of that, a subpar season so far for LSU, considering what their talent level and expectations are. Yeah, it's just, it's perplexing. It really is. We're going to talk more about LSU with Caleb Rowe, and then we'll also make a pick for this weekend for the Bayou Bengals. <laughs> Again, we, we, as we said, we recorded these out of order. I believe my question to, uh, to Kayla on it is, what, what, why, who, and why, and how, and what's going on? Explain. Something to that effect. Auburn, South Carolina might have been the most entertaining series of the weekend. So Auburn takes two out of three. South Carolina wins game one, a wild marathon, 10 to seven in 11 innings. Game two, we all saw together after Alabama and Kentucky finished, Auburn run ruled them. They looked like the better team. That honestly was kind of how I thought the series would go. Game three on Monday night softball, epic. Auburn wins it 4-3 and 10. The Tigers use some clutch hitting, some clutch power strokes late in the game to walk it off. And Denver Bryant tied it up in the sixth. I think South Carolina really impressed me with the fight that they showed on the road. Again, I still kind of need to see it from Auburn against a team with a number in front of their name multiple times. Kentucky will be this weekend. That'll be a good test. But I do feel at this point, like these are two teams that are not bad for sure. And that will be a problem in the SEC race. Will Auburn win the conference? I'm going to go ahead and say no, but they could be up there. They could be a, you know, three, four, five, six team. Yeah, uh, they could definitely get themselves into the up, upper level of the conference. I agree. I don't think I don't see there there being a path for them to win the league. But getting a five and one start obviously is a great way to get going. I'm agreeing with you though that we still don't really know what they are because we know that they have the fight and that they have the clutchness to them to be able to get these wins. But they still the only ranked team they played this year was UCLA, who run ruled them. Um, and now Texas is back. Right, in there, Texas but... will be back, but they weren't. You know. Texas had issues at that time. Uh, right, exactly. And they still have not faced a team in the conference who has a true legitimate ace that was pitching. A&M, uh, Herzog didn't pitch in that weekend against Auburn. And then, like I said, Benbaugh's, I think, establishing herself as an ace, but I wouldn't put her in the top echelon of aces in the conference. So they won't see one really against Kentucky either, but they see a lot of good pitchers and they'll have to deal with the uncertainty of who they're going to be facing. One last thing to cover, Missouri really struggling in the non-con. So in the midweek, they had a huge lead on Illinois, almost blew it, won seven to six in eight. Then they played another game, dominated. So we're like, oh, you know, just, you know, one issue, one game, it's fine. Can't judge too much. But then the weekend came, a 9-6 loss to a good Northwestern team in 10, a 7-4 loss to a decent, I would say pretty good Stanford team in eight. And then a loss to a Ball State team that is troubling. 4-3 in Columbia. 
when you're hosting a home tournament, especially with this kind of field, it's hard to expect them to go undefeated, but you probably shouldn't have a losing record. And that is what Missouri leaves with after these three losses. Yeah, the Northwestern loss, not that big of a deal. They, you know, it was a really good game, 10 innings. Uh, Stanford's a little bit more troubling. And then, you know, obviously losing to Ball State should not happen. I'm very confused. Like, like it's, it's tough for me because I've said this now about several teams in this league, but I really don't know what's going on. And yeah. it's weird. Missouri, man, they've got the highest ERA in conference play after losing the two games to Tennessee on opening weekend. And then this weekend they go to Ole Miss. So if they struggle this weekend, right. I think we need to have a serious discussion about the Tigers. This seems like a real chance to get right. It, it should be, you know, Ole Miss, not only are they have, are they maybe not the most talented team to begin with, they're struggling right now. Yeah. So yeah, this is definitely a chance for you to, to go and kind of figure things out. If they don't win the series or, or it's a struggle to win type two, one situation, there may be more issues than we thought even for Missouri. All right. Are you ready to hand out some hardware? Yes. It's time for the FGCL corner and our FGCL player of the week nominees. We've got eight this week, Tom, for the first time ever. That that's more than usual. Yes. I've, I couldn't take anyone off. I went through the stats. I had like 11 people, which is less than normal. And then I couldn't trim it anymore. Wow. All right. So here we go. Your nominees, Allie Rail from Virginia. She went 10 and a third, three hits, two runs, both earned five walks and 14 strikeouts, picked up a win and a save this past weekend against NC State to help Virginia to a five and one ACC start, the best start in conference play since 2010. Wow. Had to be recognized. Absolutely. Allie Rail, good job. Kinley Hawk, Mississippi State. 10 innings, two hits, no runs, three walks, Six strikeouts, a 2-0 record on the weekend against Ole Miss, including a no-hitter that she had going into the seventh of game three. Did give up a hit, but in an SEC game, if you have a no-hitter going that long, that's pretty impressive. It certainly is. So, well done, Kimley Hawk. Lauren Lucas, part of the American Athletic Conference honor roll from Wichita State. Now, remember, some weather last weekend pushed some games in, so a lot of teams played a bunch of games from Monday until this past Sunday. Lucas went 14 of 25. Good gosh. 10 RBI, three home runs, a triple, four doubles, four strikeouts, and six runs scored. So if you take out the strikeouts, when she put it in play, she hit 667. (laughs) Jasmine Dodd, Alabama State, 8 for 12, three RBI, a triple, a double, a walk, a strikeout, and two runs scored. So she literally... 667 average on the week. Paige Fent, North Florida, 10 for 19, five RBI, a home run, three doubles, two walks, and three runs scored. Next up, Lauren Hobbs, a person I've been waiting to put on this list. One of my favorites from the league, one of my favorite people to talk with. So proud of her. Lauren Hobbs at Stetson, your A-Sun Pitcher of the Week, the first time in her career she has won that award. 14 innings pitched, 16 hits, two runs, both earned, one walk and six strikeouts, a 2-0 record against North Alabama on the weekend. Great job, Lauren. Rachel Warrens, George Mason. Tom, I'm going to read the stats. Five of 21, seven RBI, a home run, three doubles, three strikeouts, two runs scored. That's not great, but a walk-off grand slam in the eighth inning against Morgan State to win that game five to one. Anytime you get a walk-off grand slam, Tom, you're going on this list. Yeah, this that should be automatic. Also, Kentucky just hit a home run. Hey! hey! Seven to one. May may not get run ruled. We'll see. Next up, Glenn Close is back. Oh, good. Haley Lee, four for seven, three RBI, a home run, a double, five walks, three strikeouts, 
and three runs scored. Yes, you're reading that right. Four for seven with three strikeouts. So anytime she put it in play, it was a hit and she walked five times. And most of those games were against the Florida Gators. Wow. Props to you, Haley Lee. What a week. All right. A lot of options, Tom. You've got two finalists in mind. Oh, wow. I think I'm going to give some pitcher love and I'm going to go with Kenley Hawk from Mississippi State as one of the finalists. And the other one, I'm going to go Lauren Lucas from Wichita State. Lauren Lucas. All right. Well, I'm going Kenley Hawk. If you can almost throw a no-hitter in a rivalry game in conference, that's pretty good. Picked up two of the three wins this weekend against an Ole Miss offense. It's pretty decent. I'll take that. So Kenley Hawk is your week six FGCL player of the week. That's, that's a heck of a list, though, this week. Can you see why I kept it at eight? Yeah. Who do I take off? I don't, I don't know. I couldn't. <laughs> the weather Speaking has knocked the dish out. Oh, <sighs> You're going to hear more of that <laughs> in the next segment. <laughs> Kentucky hit a home run. They can't see any more of that. <laughs> That'll be enough. Okay, Tom, we've got the sign. <laughs> yes. It's time to go. When we come back, we will steal second with somebody who did so many times, along with her plus one, yes. new daughter, Dylan. Chilling with Dylan. Chilling with Dylan. So many segments with bro. What's good, bro? Chilling with Dylan. Kayla bro. That's the point. She's coming up. We'll talk about Oklahoma, Kentucky, and everything else happening in college softball when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. It is time to steal second, and it is a party of four here on the Zoom and on the show. We are joined now by our friend, our Alabama family member, part of the Alabama Crimson Tide back in her playing day. She's flashing the U. It's not controversial, people. Also, of course, with ESPN, the Seven Innings podcast, and a mother to the spectacular Dylan, who is off in the corner. Kayla Bros here. Bro, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, happy that it's softball season and happy to be on the podcast with you guys. Finally. I know. We've missed you. It's not really our fault because these last two weeks have been insane right yeah oh yeah lots of crazy stuff going on i know you guys have been eating a lot that's really all i know (laughs) that's the most important thing Uh, now of course also we've got you on the show this isn't part of the questions we've got you on the show tonight because the last time we saw oklahoma in the midweek at an sec school we were all zooming and all reacting as georgia walked off the sooners tonight Oklahoma's got the early lead, but Kentucky is kind of hanging around and they had the bases loaded in the first. We'll, we'll see what happens. Sounds familiar. This is like it, like they drew it up last year against Georgia. <laughs> it's the same thing. Oklahoma gets out to an early lead. They start to feel safe and then boom, things change really quickly. Yeah. We'll talk more about the Sooners later, but I do want to go ahead. Tom. I was going to say, we're also sealing second with someone who uh, can do that. Oh, of course. Of course, the one time I forget to make that mention. (laughs) Everybody else is like, we never stole bases, and now we've got the one person who does. (laughs) Let's talk Tide. It has been an interesting couple weeks after a 20-0 start, 4-4 and in the last eight. You've got a really high level of difficulty in those eight games with the series at home against Kentucky on the road at LSU, which, as you know, it's really hard to go in there and win. And then the home game against Florida State that Alabama controlled for a bit, but unfortunately let slip. So right now, where do you stand on the Crimson Tide and where they are in the national race? Yeah, well, here's the thing. It, this season is so long. And I mean, here, like Murphy says it all the time, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know. Um, but it really is. And you don't want to be playing your best softball early in the season. You want to be playing your best softball late. So I think we're... Alabama can go in the right direction is if they clean up a few things like 
defensively, I think that they can make some uh, adjustments and make some better plays and learn from those moments and be better off towards the end. I think this is going to make the pitching staff a little bit hungrier. I think that this is going to make Alabama work harder so that when it comes to the end of the season, they're going to be better, in a better situation. Um, that being said, um, you know, you talked about Baton Rouge. I think I looked it up and you guys probably know this stat. I think Alabama's only won in Baton Rouge like 11 times ever. Like it is such a, it's so tough to play there. It is where like dreams go to die. I was 0-6 in Tiger Park. So like against, against LSU. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, that was not really a fun experience for me. So uh, I always expect when the tide plays there, it's going to be a really tough battle, no matter what state LSU is in, because um, all six times that I played there, we were definitely better than the Tigers were. And we got beat by the underdogs every single time. Um, uh, the other thing I think about in terms of Alabama, when you're talking about playing Kentucky, how many times has Alabama played Kentucky in the last two years? It's like nine times, nine. right? Yeah. They played him in supers. They played him at the SEC tournament, plus the three game series back-to-back years. So who should know Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle better than maybe anybody else in the country? It's probably Kentucky. Uh, so the fact that Alabama won two out of three is actually pretty impressive in my opinion, because that's a team that probably scouts Alabama better than anybody. Um, so I think there's a lot of positive that you can create. I mean, it's a tough go. The Florida State game was so good. Just such a great game. But I think Alabama should have won that game. I think they had it. I think they were the better team. Um, but Florida State just has that, like, last-second fight that I think Alabama's going to learn to get. And it takes losing, and it takes adversity to get that. So they'll get there. Got a child running away from me. You got it. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's trying to steal second right now, too. <laughs> Uh, one point I made a little while ago uh, that I wanted to ask you about, I know you played with some outstanding All-American level pitchers at your time at Alabama, um, but what type of, what does it take mentally to kind of refocus and have a good game offensively if that great pitcher that's usually dominant is having an off night? Because uh, I think one thing Alabama needs to work on this year is performing better if Montana Fouts isn't just dominating, which has happened a couple of times here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's such such a tough thing because you have a stud pitcher. Like I think about like a Kelsey Dunn that we played with or Jackie Trana, you know, when they get in the circle, you know, you're thinking that the opponent's going to score minimal runs almost every single game that they go out there. That being said, there's a few times where they don't pitch well. And the mentality has to be like, how can I get my pitchers back? How can I get my pitchers back? So it's that accountability as an offense to say, you know what, the majority of the time they carry us. So how do we flip the switch, have some urgency at the plate, kind of amp up the aggressiveness to say, okay, now we're going to get her back today. And I think that's something that this Alabama team is going to figure out is how to be as productive as humanly possible. How can we create better at bats, be tougher on the pitching staff? Uh, you know, there's, something to be said about having loud outs, getting up there and just hacking, you know, and that can change the momentum. It can give your team confidence. So as they start to develop those kind of things, as the season goes on, like those are ways an offense can really change the game and uh, get their pitchers back because uh, <laughs> it's a tough task. Don't get me wrong, but when your pitcher that is an all American, like a Montana Fouts, like, like Alexi Kilfoyle, who's that dominant too, sometimes um, you can't, get lazy at the plate. You can't just say, all right, well, I'm just going to go up there and like, it's no big deal because, you know, we only need to score three to win. No, it's got to be foot on the gas, 
every single month, every single time. And, uh, not to ramble, but that's a mentality that you just have to go into every single game having, because you can't just turn it on when all of a sudden you're down four runs. It just, it's too tough. You have to have that sense of urgency every single time you step up to the plate. I thought for a second disaster had struck as I looked and the TV said weather has caused the dish to go out, but it's back on. So we've got Oklahoma, Kentucky still on Ooh. in the corner that I, that I, we can't deal with that no. tonight. Okay, bro. I do want to get your opinion about something that came up in game three. It was the safety based discussion. Again, we, I'm sure you've seen by now the collision between Ebbs at first and Dallas. Good night. Uh, I, I knew that if I asked Patrick Murphy about it on TV, he would give an impassioned response, and he definitely didn't. He's been on this campaign for a while now. It is interesting, though, because some people were saying that the collision, even with a safety base, might not have been avoided because good night to slapper. You were a slapper yourself. Just factoring that in, what do you think of that moment and also about the rule that isn't there yet but a lot of people are fighting for? Yeah, you know, I had been in a couple – I've – done the collision thing that happened multiple times in my career. I remember one time it happened in a regional and um, they actually took me out of the game because I not necessarily was showing concussion stuff, but we were winning at the time. And it was like the last game of the regional. So they decided, you know, we're just going to take bro out because I had a pretty tough collision at first base. So, you know, it's, it's something that happens. And I think for sure that the safety base would avoid some of the collisions. I don't think it would harm anything. I don't know that it would detri be a detriment to our game in any capacity. So, you know, for the people that are making the rule changes and everything like that, uh, I, I just don't see there being a reason not to do it. There's just, I just don't know how it would change anything. Uh, that being said, I think that it would probably take away a percentage of the collisions, but not all of them. I mean, that's just part of the ball game. There's going to be collisions at first base because there's players that, run up the line and a throw goes off and the first baseman or the second baseman, whoever's covering the base is definitely going to try and make a play. And so um, some things are unavoidable, but uh, you know what, if it's impassioned and coaches want it, then I say, go for it. Taking a look at some other places around the sec, uh, taking a look at what's going on in Knoxville right now. Um, we haven't seen Ashley Rogers for a couple of weeks. Not really sure what the deal is there. And cause last year it was all about who's going to be the number two behind Rogers now there's no Rogers and Evanson's been going, going strong, but do they have anybody else other than her now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy when you think about Tennessee and we talked about this on the seven innings podcast today, where would Tennessee be right now? If they wouldn't have dipped into the transfer portal and gotten Aaron Evanson, <laughs> I mean, they would be in trouble because I mean, she is like all they have right now, it feels like, um, they're keeping the Rogers really, really tight lips. So I'm not really sure what's going on there with that. And, um, you know, it's just going to be a challenge. And I think the people that need to step up for Tennessee is the offense. You mentioned the exact same thing, the Montana Fouts issue. It's the offense that's going to carry them and get them wins. And it's the offense that got them a win against Arkansas in game three of the series last weekend. You know, some big hitters like Zeta Pooney stepping up and getting some big time home runs that they need uh, if they have a depleted pitching staff. But I will say, that's not something that Tennessee is not used to because Rogers has battled injury her entire career and they have rode her so hard and really relied on her for the majority of the innings pitch. And I guess it's just not a surprise to me that we find ourselves middle of the season in Tennessee's without Rogers right now. I just feel for Ashley Rogers, honestly. I mean, all that talent and just so many roadblocks, unfortunately, it, 
there is a chance there is a world where Ashley Rogers hasn't, you know, ends her career without getting a chance in OKC without getting a real shot in supers because, you know, one of the years Tennessee was there, they had the three headed monster of Moss Rogers and Arnold. So I've, I've been waiting for her to have her shot to make a postseason run, but unfortunately it might not just happen. It might not happen. Uh, I do want to talk about the Auburn Tigers because this is an interesting situation. We're two weeks in and Auburn is first in the SEC, which is not what Tom expected at all. Right, Tom? I was going to get just like we all drew it up. Right. Yeah. I, I had him in at uh, number 13 out of 13 on my preseason <laughs> poll. Uh, but that being said, they have played one ranked team right now. Really two, but Texas, you know, as of the current polls, Texas just squeaked back in. But still, Auburn's strength of schedule is not the toughest in the SEC, and they haven't faced the two toughest conference teams to open up SEC play. So are the Tigers for real, or do we need to wait a weekend when they go to Lexington and then make a declaration on this team? You know, that's a great, great point. And, you know, this Auburn team, like, I I get why, Tom, you put them in the bottom of the SEC. Last year, their offense was abysmal. I mean, it was – nothing they had like 22 home runs on the year last year that is awful I mean they were bottom of everything so the turnaround for them this season and their offense is giving them a chance to make a make a run in the SEC I think uh yes they're not necessarily as battle tested but I can tell you one thing that they have going for them is they believe in themselves which is probably one of the most important things that you can do is believe in yourself as a team and believe that you're that good and that you can hit anybody and when I watch Auburn play they look like a team that can absolutely just go out and not be discouraged by any pitcher, not be scared of any pitcher and come to the plate and say, you know what, I'm going to get up there and hack and we're going to win this ball game. Got, okay, we got cool. a bottle. She's hungry. Sure. Well, sure. hungry. Yeah. But uh, no, that's opportune. And I think their pitching staff is really good too. Um, that's another thing that we sometimes forget Maddie Penta and Shelby Lowe. Shelby Lowe is not having as great of a year as she did last season, but Penta's having a better one. So um, I can't wait for their series this weekend against Kentucky. I'm actually calling that game. Um, really, really excited to see that one in person. Um, Kentucky's an offense that's going to challenge Auburn, I think more than they've seen this season. So it's going to be a good one. There was a non-conference series this past weekend in Austin that was very interesting to watch LSU in Texas. Um, What's going on with either one of those teams? (laughs) Do you have any answers? Does anyone, what, what is happening? Who, who knows? I mean, (laughs) I, I just, I can't get over like LSU's inconsistency. I mean, it blows my mind. They play so well at home the majority of the time. So no surprise there, but I mean, I just don't understand, to be quite honest, like how they go and play great against Alabama. They look like a top 10 caliber team and then they go and drop three against Texas. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of baffled, to be quite honest with you. Um, and on the flip side of things, Texas, I think they're a team that's starting to kind of figure out who they are and who they are is they don't have the best pitching staff in the world. You know, they've struggled in the circle all season long, but the offense has said, you know what, if we're going to win, we're going to have to put up a ton of runs. So you look at that game three, when they had to come back and they put up like 11 to get the victory over the tigers. I mean, that's what they're going to have to do a lot this season. A lot. They just cannot rely on the circle to be consistent and come out every single day. It's kind of an opposite situation of what we're talking about earlier with Montana and Alabama. So Caleb Rowe joining us here as we steal second on the Out of the Box podcast. Dylan is also here, and we are now having to track Oklahoma, Kentucky via live stats because the dish has gone out. What a tragedy. Do you need me to be your play-by-play? We honestly (laughs) might. So let us know if anything happens, Caleb. 
that they they walked aloe the second time through so we know that yes much. they did yes they did we got wow yep rbi potential situation for grace Lyons, who's up at the plate right now the one out it's full count see there we go if the power ever goes out in your remote and you're right. the only one on the broadcast this is your training <laughs> you're ready to go <laughs> yeah exactly my nightmare <laughs> <laughs> okay let's talk florida gators yeah it's interesting, right? Because I thought that these first two conference series were very sweepable. You know, you've got yeah. Mississippi State at home. We didn't think Mississippi State was all that good. Maybe they're better than expected. A road trip at Texas A&M, who were probably only going to throw Herzog once with her dealing with injuries. And Florida leaves four and two. Does that change my opinion of their level? Not really. I still think Florida is very good. But it seems like a real missed chance for that team to have lost those two games in the first two weekends. Yeah, you know what's really interesting when I look at Florida, what stood out to me about their stats this season is how good they are at run production. I mean, they steal bases. They, um, you know, make sure that they advance runners. Executionally, they're like outstanding off the charts. They lead in so many important categories. Like they were leading in walk to strikeout ratio, um, stolen bases, all that stuff in the SEC. So when they put up two goose eggs against Mississippi State and Texas A&M in that Saturday game of both of those series, I was honestly kind of shocked because they're just such a good team that hits for average. So that was kind of what blew my mind about Florida and their ability to like not score runs because they just were so good at that all season long. So that's kind of interesting to me because the top of their lineup is just stacked. I mean, right. They have uh, the freshman and Kendra, Kendra Falby. That's just on a tear right now can do everything hit slap and bunt. And then, dagger skylar wallace is doing really well right now at the top of the lineup so um you know there's just a lot of situations where i was surprised that the gators didn't walk away with more than at least one of those series being a sweep uh that being said i think texas under texas a&m is a little underrated and with herzog in the circle i think that they can beat anybody she's that good this season but like you said she's battling dylan's like a&m is underrated you're right ray yeah dylan do you not like florida (laughs) <laughs> Teach, teaching them young gotta do it like it. she's like how did they not score in two games what if, <laughs> um, this is confusing this is life now everybody yeah. this is <laughs> easy to ask right now because we're watching or we're trying to watch oklahoma the satellite's still out but uh last year the the strategy to beat oklahoma was you know try to score try, try to hold them to five or six runs and outscore them uh with the lineup like it is right now is that even possible this year Oh, it's so tough. I mean, I think what's crazy about this Oklahoma team is that, you know, when they graduated their pitching staff last year, I was like, okay, they might struggle a little bit in circle, but then they go into the transfer portal, they get Hope Troutwin, and then they pick up Jordy Ball, the incredible freshman. Um, All of a sudden things change really, really quickly again, where, you know, you're looking at the challenge of scoring multiple runs against them is really tough. So, um, and just for the record, they did score again. They yeah. scored two. Yeah. So it's now, um, looks like it's going to be, oh, three to nothing. Okay. Only scored one. Uh, but anyways, Oklahoma, sorry, I'm distracted because I'm watching this ball game. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think the strategy is they're going to have to figure out a way to handle somebody pitching pitching wise is going to really have to handle this offense and limit the runs instead of maybe five or six to maybe three or four. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. And I think, you know, the age old question for me is like, why do people let the best players on a team beat you? So I think that as much as I'm glad that Alo got the record and people started pitching to her when she was that close to it after getting walked just like for like 18 games straight, basically. Um, 
I think that they're going to have to walk her down the stretch. I just think she's too dangerous. She's going to go down as potentially one of the best hitters in college softball history, maybe the best hitter. So just don't let the best hitter of all time beat you. You know what I mean? (laughs) I like that strategy, honestly. And Kentucky did not deploy that in the first inning tonight. Okay, Kayla, you're you're out West. Yeah. Maybe you have an answer for this. Please explain how Washington lost two of three to Cal. Oh, man. How did that happen? I hated yeah. to see that. That was too bad, really. Yeah, you know, so I looked up because I was curious. So I dug into kind of the stats and everything like that. And, um, you know, Washington's really interesting. A couple things. Bailey Klingler is one of the best hitters in the country. I watched her at the um, St. Pete Clearwater tournament, and she's just that good. She is without a doubt, just one of the best hitters in the country, no doubt. Um, that being said, after her and Sammy Reynolds, who didn't play two of the three games in the series, the talent level for Washington, or at least offensively, just drops off for me. They just don't have somebody that's going to be able to step up consistently for them, high average, um, good RBI production. So offensively, I think that they're after Bailey Klingler and Sammy Reynolds, they get a little bit more stagnant. So I think that's how you lose to a team like Cal is that you just don't have enough run support one through nine after um, Klingler. And so, um, and then on the other side of things, you know, Gabby Plain gave up a few runs. I was actually surprised she didn't get the start in game three. Um, Kelly Lynch did instead. So I don't know if the confidence levels are not there for Plain, if people just have seen her so many times. I mean, that's the other thing we've seen all year long is that, everybody has scouting reports on everybody. It's just so good. Um, Oklahoma hit a home run. So. Yeah. Yeah. Evergreen yeah. tweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah, So that was befuddling, but congrats to Cal. Cause that's a huge series victory. That's the good point too. Uh, Kayla is that, um, you know, these senior, these fourth year and fifth year seniors. Now people have even an extra year of a book on them. So as dominant as they can be, people have seen them more and more times. That may be what's going on with playing. Yeah. I I mean, I think about even like somebody like a Montana, um, just everybody's just got so much video and film on her. There's so much communication. I think we're just seeing such a higher level of um, respect for scouting reports now. Um, I think, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but like when I played 10 years ago, you know, a good majority of the time, a scouting report wouldn't be that accurate because you're talking about like horrible video quality, like maybe like a half a game of footage. Whereas now it's just so different because literally everybody has every single game in high definition, perfect quality to see exactly those pitches. So we're just playing in a different, different landscape right now. And it's going to be more challenging. I think everything is favoring hitters right now. We saw in Tuscaloosa, we talked about it last week, the, the great matchup with Florida State. And Florida State, one of the best teams in the country, definitely a national championship contender. But they have two of the most perplexing losses of the year. They lost to Pittsburgh and Boston College, two of the worst teams in all the Power Five. Um, what, what is, why, why, why would they lose those games? Why, what happened? Uh, well, I think Florida State thrives in like, we need to step it up that last second home run rising to the occasion coming like and matching the level of our opponent, because let's go back to last year at the women's college world series when Florida state entering like the postseason. Oh my gosh. Um, when Florida <laughs> state entered the postseason, 
they were like not even a thought to make it to the women's college world series. Right. And then every time that they played somebody better than them or better than their statistics gave them credit for, um, they just stepped up. Right. So like they just rise to the occasion. So when you're playing a pit or a Boston college, like you're not going and rising anywhere at any level, you tend to like go down to the level of competition that you're playing. So I think that's Florida state's trap. I think that they thrive on momentum and that big play and that like, you know, gritty coming up and getting a a victory against a team. Maybe they shouldn't get. And um, it bites them in the butt when they play somebody that's not as good as them. Okay, I have to ask because the listeners can't see this, but they could definitely hear. Is Dylan playing the bongos with your laptop right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have like a uh, my computer's on like a metal like coffee table thing, and she is climbing on it and hitting it. So apologies, you get to hear <laughs> some poor, poorly beaded music. Ah uh, well. No, it's... everybody has their own tune. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you guys are troopers. Thanks for putting up with uh, a modern. I mean, she's seven months old. So, you know, she wants to like crawl everywhere. She wants to do everything. So there's no like wrangling her in right now. Yeah, you're, you're, you're doing awesome mom stuff right now. For yes. sure. We're, we're, we're enjoying, enjoying watching that, if nothing else. And we can't wait to see her in the outfield very soon. All right. A couple <laughs> more things that we want to talk about before we play a couple games. Virginia Tech. Mm. At what point do we move past them being a contender to make OKC, which I think at this point we all believe with Rochard and Limley, to legitimate national championship contender? Because this is a team that's now 9-0 and in the ACC. The biggest conference series they've got is at Florida State. They otherwise have a pretty light schedule. They've got a midweek at Tennessee, but this is a Virginia Tech team that could roll in with maybe six or seven losses. Yeah, you know, a um, couple things. Uh, I think they were – you know, everybody questioned their offense a little bit. And I think that they kind of answered that question when they played Clemson earlier this season, their offense has some, has some really good talented players and um, you know, their, you know, duo of pitchers is as good as any in the country. And it was funny. I talked to uh, Ryan, I you guys new friend, <laughs> and she was talking to me and you know, I had seen Rochard throw against UCLA last year and super regionals and just was really, really impressed with her. But Ryan was saying, like, you know, she's one of the best pitchers that she's seen in the last, like, four or five years. Like, she's that good. So when you have, like, somebody giving her that much credit that's kind of up in, up in the dugout and can see everything pretty clearly, um, I think that says a lot, you know? Like, I think that she has the ability to make a run. She almost beat UCLA last year, almost went to the World Series. And if she's on and – Virginia Tech can scratch a couple of runs across the board, man, they could be anybody. And why couldn't they win a national championship? There's no reason to take them out of that conversation. For me, I think they're honored to make the tournament this year, the world series that is. Um, and uh, I think that they could be one of the toughest teams. I mean, they went toe to toe with Alabama and nobody would blink if you said Alabama had a chance to win a national championship. Right. I love that Dylan kind of lurched back a little bit when you faced her towards the computer as if, Oh, who are those people? (laughs) Right. That's understandable. She's not happy. She wanted big 10 in. She wants the big 10. (laughs) Like mom, no. (laughs) Okay. Kayla, you've got busy mom things to do. So we're not going to hold you for much longer, but we've got to play the game because I've got to embarrass myself. It is time for, Oh, I need the hat. I I had a hat ready. I was going to wear it, but it's fine. This is a, an audio medium. What's good, bro. What's good? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, um, what's good is that the softball season. Okay. 
the amount of fans that are going to softball games this season is unbelievable. Like credit to the fans at Rhodes, the Rhodes house, because they've been selling out almost every single game. So we have like our big alumni reunion um, in a couple weeks for that Georgia series. And um, you know, we were trying to get tickets and stuff and like, we can't get tickets. Like we're going to get in the game, but like we can't get tickets because like everything is sold out. It's unbelievable like that didn't happen like 5 10 15 years ago so really cool i mean like oklahoma like just they just had like 13,000 fans over a weekend um just really impressed so that's what's good the fans are good so kudos to all the fans listening you guys are freaking rock stars and you're making our game better um so that's what's really good um second of all what's good is the sec is like in the best way like I think Tara Henry, like she mentioned it the other day, she's like, it's like the hunger games um, because it is. And it's so fun to watch because anybody can beat anybody on a given day. So like that makes every game matter. Like the South Carolina Auburn game last night was fantastic. And I wouldn't have circled that as a great matchup, but it was because anyone can be anyone on a given day. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, Again, not trying to go back to like when I played, but you know, when I played, there was like weekends where it was like easy sweeps and it just, you could play anybody, you could pitch anybody and it didn't really matter. You're going to walk away with three W's and that just doesn't happen anymore. So, um, you gotta love that if you're a fan, because it's going to keep you on the edge of your seat and it's going to make you want to tune into every single game. So those are my two things that are really good. Like we have really great softball on fans are coming. The SEC's freaking wild. So buckle up. <laughs> now so you're coming for the georgia series will you also be working or is that fan capacity do you know your tv schedule for april yet uh no i am coming as fan capacity it's a good weekend for me to like i'm gonna bring dylan bringing the whole family she's gonna get to watch uh, alabama softball for the first time which is really special to me and uh get to see all my teammates because i think like almost every single player from the 2012 national championship team is coming which is awesome so really excited just to sit in the stands and watch a, watch a softball game. Cause it feels like it's been really like forever since I've been able to do that and uh, enjoy it. Can, can she do the U yet? Yeah, <laughs> she will work on it. We'll get her ready. Good. Good. She can high five. <laughs> I make her all, only TV. She can watch the softball. So we're on the right track. <laughs> Good. Like it. Gosh, that's amazing. The daycare better <laughs> have softball on in the corner. <laughs> uh, well, Caleb, bro, real quick before we let you go, I know that you mentioned that you wanted to do out of the box office with us this off yes. season. Have you thought about what movie you would like to discuss or maybe yeah. a couple that you would throw out? Well, are you talking like, are you guys doing like current movies? Are you doing like all time greatest movies? Anything. Movies? Anything. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Oh my gosh. Well, I love movies. Like I... I really do. I watch all, all movies all the time. Um, like I love all the Marvel movies. Like I'm a huge like nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. So sign me up. I've seen like all 82 of those movies. Um, trying to think what else, uh, I, I watch all the Oscar movies, but I'm not like a, you know, like locked in on those things. I like classic sports movies, anything like that. I'm game for whatever. I just love movies. Sign me up. This sounds very great. We might have multiple <laughs> movies discussed in one episode. This Everything you just said works for me. Caleb Brown, thank you so much for joining us as we steal second. It doesn't look like the magic of the insanity will happen this year. Oklahoma is leading it 6-0, and Jordy Ball is doing Jordy Ball things. But it was a fun yearly tradition, and we'll have you on much sooner going forward. Thanks for joining us, Kayla. Thanks, guys.
So that's Caleb Bro. What a time, Tom. And Dylan. And Dylan. Sweet Dylan. Mm. Just jungle gymming all over the living room. <laughs> Apparently she'd been calm all day. And then And then was like, Gray and Tom are here. Let's get wild. <laughs> Just... It's go time. Caleb Bro, what a warrior. We love it when, you know, our friends are able to balance home life and, and their professional lives. And Caleb Bro is a shining example of doing that, not just literally on that last segment, but also throughout this entire season. Uh, she's been awesome. And I can't wait to meet Dylan in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Ready for the high five. We'll see if the U is up for grabs. <laughs> okay, it's time to round third. We'll get to that when we return. We've got on second thought, RPI updates, and other games that are important this weekend. That's next here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. We're rounding third on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, a regular show. Back at you. Yes. Back to normal. Return to normalcy. That's what we do. Yes. As I look at the schedule next week and think, uh-oh, if Gray has to call a WNIT game next week, things are off the rails again. <laughs> Monday night could be could be trouble if we're hosting the Elite Eight. Oh, my goodness. The WNIT. I don't even think it's called that, but the final eight, whatever it is. We'll be recording at 10 o'clock, <laughs> editing until 4 a.m. <laughs> what am I, Steven Spielberg? Yeah. All right. It's time for On Second Thought, where we look back at our landmine or gold mines from the season premiere. Okay. and say how we feel about them now. So, Tom, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, you can go ahead. Okay. My first one was Lexi Kilfoyle and Montana Fouts will be two of the top three options for SEC Pitcher of the Year, and Lexi Kilfoyle may win it. I obviously still think Montana Fouts has a shot. However, an over-four conference ERA after the first two weekends is not the best start. Are your top three options or two of them from Alabama? I don't think so. I, I think that you're seeing enough from other people. Herzog doing what she did against Florida immediately makes her a contender if she can keep that up. I think that this might be a pretty wide open race because we're seeing offenses really run the league to start off. But I think it's asking right now too much to have Alabama with two of the three best options for that award this year. Probably so. I, I would not put it out of the realm of possibilities. I, I think if, if both of them really dial in and, and are dominant here for a few series in a row, it, it could change. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. The trajectory right now makes it look like it's more wide open. All right, Tom, you're number one. Uh, Dallas Goodnight will be the leadoff by the end of the year for Alabama. I think it's still a possibility. I wouldn't put as much stock into it right this second as I did at the beginning of the year because uh, one, I think Jenna Johnson and Ashley Prangy are doing really well, the number one and number two in the order. And then Goodnight seems to uh, perform better as the number nine hole at this point. I yeah. can see it changing as the season goes along, but uh, I'm 50-50 I'm on it now. 
I need to see both of them have better production, honestly, at the top of the order. Jenna Johnson was on a great streak when she was hitting in the five, six, seven spot. In the top spot of the order against Kentucky, she was good. She had some good moments, but was just two for eight, and her OBP was 222. So from your leadoff hitter, that's got to be better. Just being blunt. And Dallas Goodnight has looked amazing at the bottom of the order, and then when she's been at the top, it's been hit or miss. So I need somebody to step up there for me to make a declaration about how that part of the order should go. My number two, Tom, this was a mistake. Four SEC teams will have a realistic mathematical chance at the regular season title going into the final weekend. I should have said at least four, because I think it's going to be like eight. Wow. I mean, honestly, is there any rhyme or reason in this conference this year? No. Everybody everybody can beat them, beat each other, and they can all eat each other. It's going to be rough. I mean, I mean it. You could see six or seven losses and by the conference champion. I had listed Alabama, Missouri, Arkansas, and Florida. I think you can throw LSU in there. You can throw Kentucky in there. I think you can honestly throw Georgia in there if they keep hitting the way that they are. There are plenty of options. Auburn, maybe, if they keep pitching. Who knows? There are just a ton of teams that can beat each other in this league. So by the end of the season, I have no idea what the standings are going to look like. No clue. Remember at the beginning of this thing when I was laughed at for saying seven or eight teams have a, have a reasonable chance of winning this league? You and JDH. Some people, some have, feud. Better, some have better chances than others, but there are seven or eight that have chances. You are feuding. Okay, you're number two, Tom. <laughs> uh, my number two, Alabama and Missouri will be for the SEC, that final series in Tuscaloosa. All the marbles will come down to that. Uh, I am off that. I have, I am, I'm off the Missouri bandwagon mm. for right now. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Larissa. Sorry. We still love you. Yes. You can't lose to Ball State. I mean, come on. Fair. Or what series will that be? I mean, is there one? Honestly, does I, it just depend on the math? Yeah, I think it just depends on the math. I still think that that's going to be a very consequential series on who wins the conference. I'm just not sure Missouri is going to be in a spot where they can win it if they win that series. My number three, we will have a quote-unquote new national champion. Here's what I cited. The last five titles have been Oklahoma, UCLA, Florida State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma. And Florida State and Oklahoma have been runners-up. I'm still going to say yes. I still feel okay about that, but I did not anticipate Oklahoma being as dominant as they are right now. I mean, I knew they'd be good. They're absolutely rocking Kentucky right now in Lexington. Part of that, I think, is the Wildcats didn't use an advantage to their advantage. But at the end of the day, I think that all those teams are going to be there. I'm just going to stick with it and say somebody else is going to peek through, whether it be an Alabama, a Virginia Tech, honestly, a Florida. There are other options out there who can win the national title this year, and I think we will probably see that this season. That being said, if I had to put money down right now, I would be taking Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. Most of, if you were saying Oklahoma or the field, I think a lot of people would take Oklahoma right now. Uh, I think I'm agreeing with this uh, that because like Alabama would be considered a new national champion in this scenario because you're only like in the last five years. Uh, So I I think that there are still a lot of other teams that can beat Oklahoma, but they're going to have to, you know, if you're in a situation with the Sooners where you have, say, the bases loaded in the first inning, you've got to score runs. Yes. You got to keep them off balance in some way in the circle. And, you know, maybe some teams will be able to do that. Uh, Kentucky probably just not one of those teams. Your last one, Tom. My last one four of the eight Women's College World Series teams will have not hosted Supers. So they would be the uh, lower seeded team uh, in that super regional matchup. And I still think that's a, that's a good possibility. Uh, I, I'm with that because we have seen. We have seen the parity. We have seen teams normally don't lose are losing 
you know, these type of games. I, I, I can see that, you know, UCLA may be running into, if they face Keely Rochard this year, I would, I would deal with Virginia Tech. Really? Um, so, I mean, that, that if you have games where, you know, one team lower seeded does have that dominant pitcher that can come in, I think it's going to work out to where half the, half the field in the Women's College World Series will have not hosted Supers. All right, that's on second thought. Not as much a bloodbath as normal, honestly. No, yeah, you know, there, I think we both have one that we're kind of, that we're off on. Uh, the one we're 50-50 and one that we're still really good on. Yeah, so there we go. Basically exactly how the sport works. <laughs> right. Let's look at the RPI. Now, if you look at the links I've tweeted from the Out of the Box Twitter, it updates pretty regularly daily during the week and then again on Monday. So if you want the most up-to-date data, it's out there. It's not just the rankings page on NCAA.com anymore. That being said, here is what it looks like right now at this very moment. Alabama, Tom, they are four and four in the last eight games. Surely they plummeted in the RPI. I was told we're bad. Nope, Alabama's number two in the RPI. In the entire nation? Yes. Wow. Not even in the SEC. Number one in the SEC. Mm. Number two in the nation. Yes. Wow. Florida's number nine. Auburn at number 10. Or Kentucky's moved up, playing Alabama. That'll help. They're at 17. Tennessee up at 13. Arkansas, LSU, A&M, and Missouri all in the top 25. And you know what? Good on Mississippi State. The last time we did this update, the Bulldogs were 80th in the RPI. They're at 32 right now. That is a respectable you're in the tournament number. Good for them. Anything else jump out at you, Tom? As, yeah, looking at the RPIs right now, all 13 teams are probably going to make the NCAA tournament if it was you know, seeded today. It's right. not, but no one has, like we were worried with Mississippi State, no one has you know, dug themselves way too much of a hole. Sorry, the TV just came right back on, and I thought for a second it was a home run, but luckily <laughs> not. not. No. Okay, the top 20 nationally, Virginia Tech still at number one for those who say Alabama had a cupcake non-conference schedule. Look at the RPI and literally any poll. Alabama number two, Oklahoma number three, Duke at number four, UCLA number five, Florida State at number six. It's hard to have that number climb when you've got bad losses like Pittsburgh and Boston College on the resume. Oregon number seven, Oklahoma State number eight, Florida number nine, and Auburn number 10. Also a couple other notables, Washington at 16. Texas, after being around the 30s the last time we did this, now up at number 12. And Charlotte, unfortunately, looks like they will not be living the dream. They're down at 20 now, and that'll continue to sink with Conference USA play. But props to the 49ers, because I think barring a collapse in conference play, if they just take care of business, whether they win the conference or not, they'll be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think they've done enough to, uh, you know, barring that epic collapse, like you said, to get the get an at-large bid, even if they aren't able to win Conference USA, and they're going to be a, a number two seed that somebody will really not want to play. Charlotte as the number two seed in Kentucky's 15 or 16, I just see that happening. Ooh, watch out. Yeah, that, that and the two seed, wherever South Florida ends up going as the two seed, Wow, that, that's that's gonna, gonna suck. Yeah, if I was that host, if I was that host coach, I would be throwing things in the clubhouse. Oh, you have to prep for Georgina Corrick. Yeah, like five times because mm. she's gonna throw every game. Right, it's brutal. Yes, Alabama opponents. Anything stick out here, Tom? Obviously, Virginia Tech being number one, that will help buoy you as long as they're up there. I think it's important that you've still got Texas now with the wins over LSU moving up. Typically, the committee has valued non-conference performances more than conference, especially for SEC teams. Anything else jump out at you, Tom? Uh, interesting to see that Oregon State currently is ranked ahead of Arizona in the RPI. Oregon State 26, Arizona 31. 
And uh, the Raging Cajun is really not helping anybody all the way down at 55. Yeah, Louisiana has missed their chances to get good wins. Oregon State, there's an injury situation. We've seen Mariah Maison or Mason or however we're doing it. She's missed the last two weekends because of injury. And so we saw the Portland State loss, and then they got swept this past weekend against Arizona State. So a little something to keep an eye on. And if you're the committee and you're tracking Oregon State, I would think that this wouldn't affect their at-large potential because it's an injury to their best player. So let's just remember that. You need to know all of the things happening in softball. Gray out here giving committee benefit of the doubt for some reason. I'm, as, I'm as trying well. to give them tips. I'm being like, right. look, we are, don't punish Oregon State <laughs> as severely for these losses as you might. As though they're paying attention. I will also say New Mexico. I don't know what happened, mm. but 97 now in the RPI. So the at-large dream is probably dead. Yeah, that, that scrappy bunch of Lobos is, is struggling right now. Big week six games. Right now we're watching Oklahoma wallop Kentucky, but it did not end in five. Yes, they're going to play at least six innings. So good on the Wildcats. Well done, Rachel Lawson. Other big games this week. Wednesday, how about this for a little double dip? Clemson at Georgia on Wednesday night. Wow. Rivalry. Any lean? I, if being in Athens, I'd probably lean toward Georgia right now because Clemson is, is struggling. Clemson's had some you issues. Know, they, they, they had a really tough start to the ACC having to play Virginia Tech and then Duke in their first two series, but it didn't go well for them right. in those high, highly ranked uh, matchups. So I would just think because of momentum, uh, Georgia might be in a better spot. Also on Wednesday night, Florida State placed at Troy. Now, Leanna Johnson, we know how good she is, but I also put this on here because of what Caleb Rowe talked about, the propensity for Florida State to play down to their opponent. If the Seminoles mess around, they can lose against the Leanna Johnson. Yeah, very easily. This weekend, I've got six series worth watching, or at least tracking, outside the SEC. Duke at Notre Dame, Irish always tricky. Louisville at Clemson. Can Clemson right the ship against a Louisville team that is always somewhat difficult? Baylor at Oklahoma first conference series so i had to put it down it's oklahoma i mean we can't not talk about the sooners at some point (laughs) we can't talk about this obvious sweep that's going to happen ucla at washington we will pick that later on and it's taken an interesting turn with washington struggling with cal it has stanford at oregon state stanford on the ascent oregon state trying to figure out what they are with all the injuries happening and arizona state at arizona what is Arizona right now? They just got swept by UCLA. They didn't score a run in all three games. And the hitting was kind of carrying them with some pitching issues already to start the year. Arizona State feels good about themselves, but it's in Tucson. Right. A lot of ways it could play out. I say, with it being in Tucson and Arizona State uh, being gettable, I mean, they are playing well, like you said, but uh, overall uh, not at the level that UCLA is. Hopefully this would be one, if you're Caitlin Lowe, that you should, you know, not get swept in for sure and and try to win that series and you can kind of get things back on track. If there was anything in here and I said, Tom, you've got to watch all three games start to finish. Which one is it? Probably. I think the best series will probably be Arizona state and Arizona. The most impactful might be UCLA and Washington, but I think UCLA, well, I'll talk about it in in my prediction. Okay. Good call. Way to hold off. Yeah. A tease. That's us rounding third. If you're still listening, a tease. We're teasing for the next segment because, Tom, it's time to head home. Okay. When we come back, we've got picks. We've got off the wall. We've got probably the reaction to the final of Oklahoma, Kentucky. That's (laughs) next here on the Out of the Box podcast. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. So glad you're with us. Still with us also, the Oklahoma-Kentucky game. The dish is back on despite the storms. Oklahoma pitching also very on. Kentucky, just the one run. But I don't know. It feels like there's a world where this game went differently if Rachel Lawson had done a couple of things we would have wanted. And also if Kentucky had gotten the timely hit in the first inning. After that, Oklahoma had control. Yeah, or, or if we call it a legal pitch every once in a while. Uh-oh, Tom, don't start that argument. Mm. Here's what we've done thus far. We began at the plate, another home run. Good Lord. Way back. Way gone. Kentuckys are caught in the wind. Oklahoma's like, you just got to <laughs> shoot right through. Right. We started at the plate and discussed all things Alabama. Then we advanced to first, broke down the SEC in the week that was. We stole second with the great Caleb Bro and Dylan. We rounded third, played a little on second thought, and looked at the RPI, among other things. And now it's time to head home. And we will start with picks, Tom. That wasn't even a bad pitch. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Crazy. Yeah. Your leaderboard, Tom, five, gray, four. You got four right last week, Tom. Nice. I got three. Should have been four. (laughs) Ole Miss. (laughs) Let me down. Tom got Auburn, 2-1, Arkansas, 2-1, Florida, 2-1, Alabama, 2-1. I got everything but Arkansas as well. So now we go through this week. I have thrown in UCLA, Washington. We're back to just three-game series, Tom. So no concern about the random fourth. Right. And you're winning, so you get to go first. Oh, good. UCLA at Washington. I think UCLA is going to sweep them. Uh, I just Washington, I think, as we talked with Kayla, I think the book is out on playing a little bit, so she's not being as dominant as she was. Uh, And then I just don't see them having enough offense to be able to score on what has been just dominant pitching from UCLA so far. So I'm going to say Washington 3-0. Yeah, especially if Sammy Reynolds is not available this weekend. I know she had the concussion issues. Bro talked about that a bit. But if she can't play, then I don't know where the secondary threat is in the Washington lineup. I'm taking UCLA 3-0 as well. Not only have a lot of teams seen Gabby playing, UCLA has seen her a ton. Right. So there will be no confusion. It's almost a Kentucky-Montana foul situation at this point. Speaking of, Auburn at Kentucky. Now, as we watch the Wildcats, I think they are better than what the score says right now with Oklahoma Auburn it's going to be a tough road game really their first like actual true tough road test of the year so what do we think I am going to say Kentucky wins at 2-1 Auburn again better than what we thought their offense has really shown up and they have that clutch ability uh, which I think is going to be able to get them at least one victory Uh, but Kentucky I just think is is uh, generally I should say better overall so i'm i'm gonna say just because of that being at home kentucky wins it two to one dish went out again Mm. at this point though i think it's okay right i'm taking kentucky two one as well i think that the shelby low stuff is a little concerning she wasn't really able to go 100 percent in game two even though auburn won that game she's not at where she needs to be to be an effective one-two punch of Maddie Penta, who is pitching very well right now. I think the the Kentucky offense, when they see Penta a second time, will have a lot of success. Auburn might win game one, but I think Kentucky will win games two and three and take two out of three in that series. Okay. Tennessee at Florida. The last time the Lady Vols went to Gainesville, got two out of three off Kelly Barnhill in 2019. Barnhill's gone. One of the people who had a big time hit in that series, Allie Shipman, is gone. In fact, most of the turnover, it's a completely different look all the way around. What happens in Gainesville? I don't know, uh, but I know I have to make a pick because both these teams, uh, again, Tennessee struggling, but they did get the win on Sunday. So maybe they figured some things out. Again, we don't know the situation with Ashley Rogers. I think the series is 
different if she's able to pitch, obviously, than if, if she's not able to. Florida still don't really know what they are. Uh, well, we know what they're capable of being, but we the last two weeks has not been it. I don't know if they get 100% well in this situation, so I'm going to say Florida wins at 2-1. That's what I've got. Oh, Florida two one. Sorry, I mean i I think that I think that there is a high sweepability potential here for Florida if they figure it out, and I think that maybe we saw in Game three against A and M what that could look like. If actually Rogers plays, though, I think that you could see a world where Tennessee with Edmondson and Rogers finds a way to win two out of three. Yeah, I don't see a world at all where Tennessee finds a way to sweep, but I think the most likely outcome here is Florida two out of three. Okay. Next up, Missouri at Ole Miss. This might be one where we uh, we finally disagree. Maybe I at this point I'm just doing it to try to motivate Missouri. Oh no, you're not. I'm going to say the Rebels win two one. Crazy. It's it's nuts. I understand, but so desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm okay with it. Thanks for giving me a point. I've got Missouri two out of three. <laughs> All right. I think Ole Miss will find a way to steal a game. Watch watch Missouri sweep. That's what's <laughs> going to happen actually. But I think that Ole Miss finds a way to steal a game. Bree Roper and Tate Whitley still swinging a good bat. This is a get-right series, though. The Ole Miss pitching has been a problem. Missouri can figure things out offensively. I just still have concerns about the Missouri pitching and the consistency as Alo hits another home 102. Ride. Good grolly, Moses. She almost hit her own face on the scoreboard. What are we doing? All right. Mm. that wasn't right over the plate though at least no no she's a good hitter right? this, yeah, is, yeah. this is this is jocelyn Allah being damn good yeah i've got missouri two out of three and end of conversation right. nine one oklahoma as, as once again the signal goes out how many home runs is that for the sooners tonight let me look that's six wow they have 10 hits and six have been home runs stupid izzy harrison's given up two hits and they've both been home runs in two innings it's crazy. Oh, new pitcher for Kentucky. Oh, good. Now's a good time. Way to do it. Bring in Sloan. Texas A&M at Georgia. This series has gotten a lot more interesting with Herzog. But the question is, is she healthy enough to pitch twice? I don't know if she has to be for Texas A&M to win the series. She has to be, well, you know, healthy enough to pitch one for sure. Yeah. She gets that one and A&M wins that one. And then they just got to find a way to outscore Georgia and the other ones, which I think they're going to be able to do. So I'm going to say A&M wins 2-1. I think Herzog does pitch twice. And I think the second time Georgia has more success. I'm going to take Georgia two out of three. No. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable with it. But I'm going to roll with the chaos. I'm going to roll with the chaos a little bit. If we've learned nothing from softball and the NCAA tournament this year, just roll with the chaos. Which is why my next post is going to be interesting. LSU at Arkansas. This is Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tom, please go ahead. Oh, wow. I need to let you get ahead by like one series, so you have to go first. Uh, <laughs> okay, <August>. please. <laughs> and then and then take it in the last week. I am going to say one team kind of going up, one time one team kind of trending down. I'm going to go Arkansas wins at 2-1. Embrace the chaos, LSU 2-1. Oh! I think I really do have issues with the Arkansas pitching staff. The ERA is still pretty low overall in the sec mary half is at a two six which is good but not as good as she can be and the options behind have not been reliable yet the lsu offense while yes they devastatingly lost that game to texas they still scored 10 runs they did so maybe that was something that turns the corner maybe it's kind of a circle the wagons weekend after the heartbreak against texas and maybe you know like i said earlier but is reminding the team hey you saw what happens if you slough off come back this weekend and figure things out. I just feel like this is a good time for LSU to break back into the good. Yeah. And 
I'm going to say that happens. I'll take LSU two out of three. Well, I, I will say one of the things, the thing that really stuck out to me this past weekend with Arkansas and Tennessee was that the offense really started coming alive for the Razorbacks. That, you know, they, they'd been doing enough, but we hadn't really seen, uh, you know, kind of like what they did last year. Right. Uh, but we started seeing that kind of come around uh, against the Lady Vols. And if they're able to do that, that can kind of take a little bit of the pressure off of half. Uh, and whoever's in the circle for Arkansas. And I think that continues. Yeah. Danielle Gibson, by the way, your SEC player of the week, because mm. she is just hitting bombs like daily at right. this point. Yeah. Her OPS is something astronomical right now that they're figuring things out, yeah. but I think, I don't know. I just have a, a suspicion. Mm. This is the kind of series where it plays out like this. Oh yeah. So I'm going with LSU two out of three. Right. Finally, Alabama at South Carolina. Somewhat tricky, yes. A series, if you're Alabama, you should definitely win. Absolutely. Uh, probably the most likely sweep on your schedule. It's either this or Mississippi State at home. And honestly, if we're being real, as crazy as this conference is, if you want to win the SEC, you have to sweep these series. So, Tom, with that being said, what happens in Columbia? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think Alabama, to have the goal of winning the conference in the regular season – this is the type of series you have to sweep. You know, you can afford losing, you know, 2-1 on the road at LSU. You can afford, you know, only getting two out of three against a top 10 team at home like Kentucky. But when you're facing teams at the bottom uh, of the of the conference, uh, that's where you got to get all three of those victories. Uh, I think Alabama is very capable of doing it. The problem that I have is that we have not seen Montana Fouts being dominant twice in a weekend yet. Yeah. Uh, in the conference. Uh, we, we, we saw it in the pre-conference, but, you know, against the same team twice, and it, it's been, you know, LSU, it was the first game not great, the second game dominant. Against Kentucky, it was the first game dominant, the second game not not great. Hopefully the fact that, again, South Carolina hasn't seen Montana face-to-face will certainly help, but because I haven't seen it yet, and I'll need to see it before I can pick it again after what happened with LSU, I'm going to say Alabama 2-1. I think Alabama has, again, the the, the the definite capability of getting the sweep. And I, I certainly think they can, uh, but be, for our purposes, I'm going to say two, one Alabama. I think they will. Well, I will say this though, the, the South Carolina pitching staff, while nobody is outright fantastic, they can kind of play the Kentucky game a little bit with a lot of options, including Kelsey O who I don't think even warmed up against Auburn, which is interesting, but they also present a matchup that I think favors South Carolina in some areas. They don't have anybody that just throws super hard, really, besides Kelsey O, honestly. They do a lot of speed mixing. They've got a lot of people who throw change-ups. They could just throw a lot of stuff at you. And I think that we could see a couple games where Alabama wins it 3-1, 4-2, something like that. But I just I don't think that the South Carolina offense, while better this year, is ready for the Fouts Kilfoil show, honestly. Right. So that, to me, is why I'm picking Alabama to sweep. However, Alabama's got to figure out the defensive issues because anytime you get out of schedule and you start making mistakes, an SEC team will make you pay for it. And with the crowd rocking and rolling like they will be, like they were in 19 and like they will be this weekend in the sold-out park, you just can't afford any stupid mistakes in the field, any small mental lapses, none of that. If you have any of those, South Carolina can take advantage. Right. That's the other thing, you know, we've, we've seen that creep up. So I want to see a weekend of it being clean like that again uh, before I'm ready to, to predict those sweeps coming up. Those are picks. A lot of differences, actually. Yeah, After a similar start, I think we picked the last 
four yeah the last four we went different routes could be a swing week for uh for us in the picks what it really means is you're gonna have a bigger lead but well you know gotta do what you gotta do rude all right <laughs> speaking of rude to kentucky uh, oh, oh no it was foul okay well they gotta score at least one they gotta get oklahoma out and then they gotta score at least one in the bottom of the six to play the seven i don't know which is harder getting oklahoma out or scoring oh, the run man it's time for off the wall a lot of ways we can go. I've got some stuff I wrote down. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the safety-based conversation okay. because it's not our typical off-the-wall fare. I don't understand the argument against it. If you have one, please let me know because I honestly haven't seen one besides we don't want the game to be soft, which is kind of stupid. Right. So I think at this point, it's just people being old-fashioned and maybe not wanting to see two bases. Right. I don't know. Yeah, the, This it, is a rule that needs to happen, the safety base in softball. The aesthetic is the only thing that I can think of. But the thing is, it's literally in every other level of softball, including the Olympics. And I think Athletes Unlimited, everybody has, has a safety base. Does it eliminate every collision? No, that's like what Kayla was talking about earlier. There's going to be some situations like the one with Ebbs and, and Goodnight. There may have been still a collision if Goodnight is going for that orange base on the right side, but I don't think it's as, you know, head on a collision. Right. It's not as um, violent or anywhere close to that. Right. So I, I just think that there's really no reason for it not to be there. I know there's a little bit of an expense to it, but it's not, you know, it's like 300 bucks or something to, to, to get that in. Uh, any, any college can afford that. So um, I agree. There's no reason because, I mean, you look at so many injuries that happen, directly be, that would have been avoided if there was a safety base. Unfortunately, we saw it with Bailey Dowling last year, players covering from second. Aaliyah Jordan at UCLA yeah. and Clearwater. My point was, you know, I've been doing these TV games for a couple of years. Sid and I have done, Sydney Little John Watkins, have done 20, 25 together. And we've seen twice collisions at first that were or could have been season-ending injuries. Is that a high percentage? No. Is it still too high? Yeah. Right. Especially if we can do something about it. Right. When to at least avoidable. to at least mm-hmm. try to prevent those. Right. So it's I'm like, on team safety base. Yeah. It's like does a seatbelt, you know, if you have a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler, does a seatbelt help you? Probably not. But in a lot of other accidents, it will help you. Right. So, you know, wear your seatbelt. Have a safety base. Uh, just to fly out mm. from Oklahoma. Oh, okay. So okay. So Kentucky only has to get one here in the six to make him play seven. That's it. Just so, the one run. Renee Habernathy will hit second. Uh, Jocelyn Alla, man. Like that was in the almost in the other batter's box off speed, and she crushed it off the scoreboard. Just don't just intentionally walk her. I honestly don't even know what the pitching plan would be. Steph, start drawing it up now. Yeah. Okay. Now it's time for the reel off the wall. Tom, I'll let you go first. The the uproar when there is a change in the lineup when you've been asking for changes in the lineup. I don't understand. Uh, it's quite funny. It's, it, it's like, you know. The, this lineup's not very good. We're, we're not hitting the ball very well. Patrick Murphy makes a change in the lineup. Where's, <laughs> why are we changing the lineup? Where, where is this person who's not playing in this game? They must be hurt. No, yeah, Alabama, as we talked about, has more than nine starter quality players. So, you know, if, if you're going to give one person a chance, I mean, somebody else has to sit down. There's nothing. Megan Bloodworth is fine. You know, there's no injury situation there. They just wanted to give Jenna Lord a chance. That's right. And Jenna took advantage. So right. you kept putting her out there. Yeah. Again, the, the uproar and the accusatory tone of, of anything when there is a, a, a lineup change, I don't understand. 
Is that all you've got? Uh, well, I'll go up. I'll hit another one. All right. When you're done. Can't believe I have to say this. It is better to have more people in seats than less people in seats. I got into a Facebook discussion with somebody who was complaining about the PA announcer saying, Hey, people in the brickyard, there are some empty seats in the grandstands. Come and sit in them. Right. This person was saying, well, if I buy these season tickets, I should have the option of who fills those seats. And yeah, if they're your tickets, I agree. If they're the people next to you, you don't have a say. The university cannot force people to come to the games that they have season tickets, nor can they force them to resell the tickets. The best thing that they can do is open up the brickyard and have those people come over and sit in those seats. I just, I don't understand why that was even a discussion that had to be had. And also I have gone to every game since insert year here, or I've been a fan since, you know, a couple decades ago and you weren't even born then didn't necessarily mean your argument's correct. I mean, congrats on being older than me. A lot of people are. That doesn't mean that you're right. So do you have anything else to add in here? I was was just, so their stance was if I don't show up to the game and I don't donate my ticket or, or resell my ticket or give my ticket to somebody, I should still be able to tell people they can't sit in my seat. Yeah. That I'm basically, not- and not just their seat, but other seats in the grandstand for other people. Like I say, friends, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Literally does not compute. No, it doesn't. If you want to go back and look, it's somewhere on the uh, Alabama softball Facebook fans group. If you're in there, go take a look. Every response that I gave was cleared with somebody from the ticket office. So I wasn't just shooting things out. I was saying, all right, let me know if this is right. Yes. And then posting it. So I I doubt that this person who was responding to me was checking with our friends in the ticket office or, (laughs) and again, this is something that we talk about all the time in the press box. Like we're very aware of how the ticket situation works. You don't have to lecture us. Right. I just don't understand bottom line why your complaint is I can't believe that they're asking people to come sit in these seats. If you know people who have tickets who aren't coming, ask them to sell the seats. Yeah. It's very easy. Well, that's what we were saying, you know, taking a look at like that Florida state game, it's a sellout. It's on national television people are being turned away literally at at the gate uh, without a ticket and can't get in. And then they turn on TV and they say, see empty seats behind the grand, you know, know, behind home plate. It's it's not a great look. You'd much rather have somebody in there sitting there. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Again, that's why I said, you know, before the, before that game, I tweeted it. I I made it imploring people. If you have those seats and you're not planning on being there for one reason or another, get them to somebody who can be there and will, and will utilize those seats. Yeah. This There's- person's complaint also, by the way, was that too many Florida state fans moved over into the grandstands, the Florida state <laughs> fans over there in the grandstands to the right, closest to the Florida state dugout are player guests. That was them. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac Leonard's mom and, and Mac right. Leonard's stepfather and, and all the family members that I went yeah. over and talked to, they came with Florida state. I saw one Florida state person come up the middle aisle. That's what I, that, that I was that guy. That was all. So maybe you just had bad luck, but that doesn't mean that 90% of the grandstands was suddenly Florida State fans. And you know how that Florida State guy doesn't get there? Show up to the game you have tickets to. Amen. Come to the games. They're fun. You'll have fun. Yes. And if you don't, if you're not planning on coming to the games, don't buy the tickets. Very easy. Someone else will buy them. I promise you. I have people all the time who ask me about tickets and I'm like, first off, I don't even have tickets. Like I just walk in with the pass. I've never had a ticket to an Alabama softball game ever. I'm not the person to go to. Okay. Here's another one. This team has fallen off bad. 
got big heads and getting manhandled in every game now. They can't rely on Montana to throw a no-hitter or shutout every game. I agree with that. SEC play is going to be brutal if they don't turn it around. Have FSU next, and that's not going to be pretty if we play like this. That last sentence is a clue. This comment came after a win against Southern Miss. A win, mm-hmm. five to two. How is a win getting manhandled right. every game? That's incorrect. Again, that uh, is what we would call off the wall. Yes, I, I would like to. And I'm still the social media policy that I have. Can't complain when we win. I think that that should be that should be just across the board. If you win the game, no complaints. Especially when the complaints are just incorrect. I and I've seen other people make this this somewhat this comment as well about you know Montana Fouts not not showing quote unquote proper respect to her catcher, which I have no idea where that comes from. But or that they have big heads. Are are these are these people in the in the dugout? Are these people in the in the clubhouse with this team? Like that they're able to figure out like the mindset of of all twenty players, facetiming every night. Right. I guess I don't know. No, I I mean, and and for two of us that you know we we have more access to the players than than these people commenting do. We're not in their heads either. But I don't see a big head. I don't think that it's a you know Alabama got cocky situation. Uh, Alabama ran into some good teams and, you know, Alabama's beaten good teams and they beat those other teams as well. Other than Florida state, you know, there was Alabama did come back and win on Sunday against LSU. Alabama did win the series against Kentucky, you know, the third highest ranked team that we played this season. It's just, I just disagree wholeheartedly with pretty much everything in here, except for the, they can't rely on Montana to throw a no hitter. Like, yeah, no shit, but come on big heads. It's, that's just, you're making an assumption and, If you're making assumptions or if you're saying things factually incorrect, then we're going to call you out. That is the social media policy. I have said in different areas that there's a difference between constructive criticism, straight up criticism for criticism's sake, and being off the wall. Constructive criticism, I'm okay with it if your thought is well thought out, well formulated with statistical evidence or experience to back that up. Right. If you've got the numbers, if you've got the data, Even if I personally disagree with it, I'll say, okay, you put together a good argument. I'm not going to call you out on that. If you're just saying they can't get hits or they got big heads, they're getting manhandled. No, that you're just saying stuff. That's, that's criticism just to criticize. And if you're saying factually incorrect things like this next comment I'm about to read, Hmm. then you are considered off the wall. Should I go into it? Uh, Please. I pray Shipman and Fouts stay healthy. If not, they might not win another game. I will agree with the first part of the statement. I also pray that Shipman and Fouts stay healthy. So do I. They're, it's the best hitter and best pitcher. Yeah, I hope they're I hope they're fine. But let's just say there's a crazy world right. where yeah. Fouts and Shipman don't play in a game. Like okay. maybe, I don't know, on Wednesday. Might happen. It's possible. I think Alabama will be fine. I think Alabama will beat Alcorn. I think Alabama will beat North Alabama. I think Alabama could even squeak by and win, I don't know, like five conference games if Shipman and Fouts didn't play in any of those. Right. Because you're not giving credit to anybody else on the team. It was pretty darn good. Nor Lexi Kilfoyle, honestly, which is very frustrating as Oklahoma wins by run rule. Speaking of frustrating. Uh, Bottom line, this statement is crazy. If you're saying this, then you're being super dramatic. And also, if you really think it, then look at the freaking schedule. Right. But also, like – the hyperbole of the statement of we may not win another game aside look at the core of this of this statement if Alabama loses their best pitcher and best hitter they're not going to be as good as they are right now 
Well, thanks a lot, genius. <laughs> Duh. No shit. Right. <laughs> Alabama might not be as good offensively if Bryce Young is gone. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, Oklahoma wouldn't be as good without Jocelyn Allo. I, I mean, didn't even think about that angle, but thank you, Tom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I hope our good, I hope our good players remain good. Thank you very much for that. Vince Lombardi. Uh, also, one more. Uh, somebody called the win over Kentucky in game one a last second win after Alabama scored the runs to take the lead in the fifth inning. Incorrect. First off, last second win's not a thing. In softball, no. we don't have time. No. Second, it would be the seventh inning. If we were going to consider something last second, the runs would have been scored in the seventh not the fifth. Right. Kentucky still had two chances to bat after Alabama took the lead. Right. So absurd. Patently absurd. Just just incorrect. Uh, the other one that I, that I saw was uh, somebody was saying that Alabama is doing too much of the button and the slap and the need to hit away. But I mean, they, they do. Like, the, like, other than Dallas, good night, everyone hits away. Yeah. I was going to say, in fact, I'd like to see Alabama play a little more small ball. I agree. What are we looking at? What are we – why are we so angry – about a team that's 24 and four, number two in the country. In the RPI. Just clarify. Right. But yes, top five in every top poll. Top five in the country. Still, most people. But the polls don't matter. The RPI is right. what the committee, exactly. you know, religiously reads. So that's actually more important. Alabama's going to be hosting regionals, super regionals, and will, you know, be favored to go to the Women's College World Series unless something crazy happens. Like losing to Alcorn because yeah. they start Gray Robertson in the circle. <laughs> Tom Canterbury, that's not a good battery. That is not, not the battery. The out, of the, box, the out of the box battery does not need to happen <laughs> against anyone that actually plays softball. <laughs> not, or anyone who doesn't play softball. <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, that's off the wall. Are we good? Just stop being so angry. Yeah. Like there are other. <sighs> Be like. Uh, you know what's interesting though? Things. Actually, I want to prop, uh, give some props to a couple other past off the wallers. Not a complete overreaction from other people who've made the list and who That's won't be true. getting tickets from Emily P. Tech. So good for you. Way to like, you know, live life as a normal person. We just have a lot of new people this year who are popping up mm-hmm. and they will learn. <laughs> they have been called out. It's a 60 game season, but yes, right. let's make all our judgments on the first half. It's not like Alabama won 20 games in a row to go to OKC last year after, yes, a pretty brutal loss to Florida. <laughs> right. Teams can get better. It's shocking. Yes. Okay, Tom. Uh, Anything else we need to touch on at all in this very... Yeah, I, think, I think we're good. Okay. And also, listen to us this weekend because yes. we're back together. We've got the game at four UAB on Wednesday. Four games in a row. A whole four. <laughs> Actually, like, well, I'm out for Alabama State. I'll be doing TV. But, like, most of the next 10 are yeah. the two of us together. Nice. How exciting. How can the people find that, Tom? Well, if you're listening in Tuscaloosa, you can listen on 97.5 FM over the airways and also at nick975.com. And you can also download the MeTV 97.5 app uh, and you can listen anywhere you go on, on, the, on the app on the phone. And coming up at the start of April, we'll be on the Varsity app as well. Yeah, there we go. And as always, just whenever things are tweeted or Facebooked from the Alabama uh, official website there's always links to it, link, links to it there also links on rolltide.com on the schedule page so many different ways you can push the button and listen aka just push the button yep it ain't that hard it's right mm-hmm. there just press it gray and i tweet it from our twitter accounts we're about to talk about yeah everything yeah 
go ahead. Yes. What's your Twitter? <laughs> T, T Canterbury, R-T-R, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y. I'm at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. Follow the show at Out of the Box underscore pod. I will bring some stickers this week to Columbia. We, we will. We have some stickers left over? We, I, we have some. All, we didn't throw them all out in Youngsville? I have some hidden away okay. for a rainy day. Good. Also, we're going to do another you know, hey, we're here, Tom's Hungry video from Columbia mm. based on a recommendation from Bev Smith, probably the cinnamon roll factory or whatever it is. <laughs> but we'll tweet something out from at out of the box underscore pod. So make sure you check that out. And also on the gram at out of the box underscore pod two, out of the box underscore pod two and on the if, gram. And also if you are on any of those road trips, you can go back to our softball media days when we interviewed all the coaches. Yes. And you can get their recommendations too. And you can do your own, you know, Tom's Hungry. Tom's Hungry. You can do it. Yeah. Insert names here. Right. Hungry. Yeah. Everyone's hungry. You might yeah, as well do it. <sighs> okay, Tom. Two weeks into SEC play. A third week coming up. What the heck could happen? I don't know. I'm just prepared to be hurt again by some kind of crazy result that causes a pick to go awry. Yes. Because hopefully not in that last one. <laughs> That's true. I would like to be right. I, I hope you are right. Thanks, Tom. I, I will give that one to you. First time you've ever said that. <laughs> For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you so much to Caleb Bro, and thank you to all of you listeners out there for tuning in. We will see you in Columbia this weekend. And Dylan. And Dylan. And Dylan. Dylan the real star. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box Podcast.